Greetings, and welcome to Skylanders Portalcasters, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything Skylanders. I'm your host, GF Ditto, and I am joined today by co-host Inklander. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing the possibilities of which Skylander could appear in Nintendo's hit game, Super Smash Brothers. Right, yeah, so hello Ditto, how are you doing? I'm doing really well today, how about yourself? Doing pretty good, and this will definitely be a pretty fun topic because it's pretty hypothetical. Discounting Crash and Spyro, really, there's pretty much absolutely no way that Activision Blizzard would choose a Skylander immediately as their first choice. So that's not the point of this podcast. We're not going to, we're not trying to argue. Oh yeah, Spitfire, he's gonna be the next Smasher up. He's gonna be in DLC Pack Two. We're not, we're not trying to argue anything like that. It's just like a in a hypothetical situation. If for some reason Activision blizzard was given tons of reps in the game like obviously a skylander would end up being one of them somewhere down the line so this is just like a hypothetical if we were in that universe where either skylanders was still going on or if activision blizzard was given a rep in smash 4 when skylanders was still going on like pretty much that's kind of what this discussion is is like if a skylander was included what would that look like and as Inklander has stated, we are discounting Crash and Spyro because they are a little more likely than a Skylander anyway, and because through them we could get Skylander representation by them just implementing a Skylander skin, which I wouldn't say is outside the realm of probability at that point. Yeah, and so so much so that it would not surprise me if we got Crash or Spyro as part of DLC Pack 2, because Crash is still one of the most highly requested characters, and Spyro is a little bit farther down that list, but Crash is still pretty much pretty well up there, and Activision Blizzard, if they were given a rep, would probably pick Crash or Tracer first, so... This is kind of going off of, well, if Activision Blizzard already got Crash in the game, already got Spyro in the game, already got a World of Warcraft for up like Jaina Proudmoore or something, already got Tracer in the game, who would they add next? Then that's probably where we're going to get into the, like, the Skylander discussion. So, yeah, absolutely. Crash and Spyro are actually fairly likely choices to actually get into the game, and it wouldn't actually surprise me if at least one of their alternate costumes was their Skylanders form. And while Crash doesn't look that much different in Skylanders compared to how he looks in the Insane Trilogy or in It's About Time, Spyro does look quite a bit different. And, you know, there was definitely some heat from some hardcore fans about that. But, you know, personally, I like both Spyro designs, so it would kind of be cool to see if those characters were in the game, an alternate kind of Skylanders-based costume, at least one. And now that we've introduced the topic, um, what we're going to do here is we're going to break it down by, first we're going to talk about individual Skylanders that could be a possible idea for Smash Rep, and then we're going to discuss the possibility of one slot being able to encompass multiple characters. Inklander, why don't you introduce the first and most likely Skylander to be selected? Right, so I think actually here, when it comes to just likelihood of characters, we, we do have a variety of options. Immediately what you would think of is either one of the Eons Elite 
from Spyro's Adventure, or one of the starter pack characters from one of the following games, like Giants being, you know, Tree Rex or Jetvac or Cinder. You'd think it'd probably be from that group of characters. And there are some outside that that are very popular, like Pop Fizz. He wasn't included in the Giant starter pack, at least not in the main one for consoles. So there's a lot of different ones that could potentially be chosen, but I think of the ones that are like the most obvious are probably the ones that got the most free poses. And for me, I think the one that is most likely of the ones that got a lot of reposes is Stealth Elf. Oh, absolutely. First off, Stealth Elf is an iconic character that everybody who has ever played Skylanders recognizes. Her Skylanders moveset would easily fit within the realm of a fighter game like Smash Brothers. It would not be difficult for them to adapt her to the game. No, not at all. Really... Absolutely not at all, because you can already kind of see how they would fit it, not going over all the moves and details, but obviously her primary attack would be, you know, her blade slash. Her side B for the side special would be, you know, her doing that roll move. You could probably do the neutral special to be her going stealthy and leaving behind her spinning blade versions of herself, and then, you know, maybe tapping it again to be able to have her, you know, reappear, or maybe she has like a gauge that you're able to stay stealthy and invisible for. There's a lot of easy ways to be like, oh yeah, this would pretty much correlate one-to-one -one with how they would want to incorporate it into a Smash moveset, to where she would probably be a pretty easy choice, and as Ditto said, even if you're not familiar with Skylanders that well, or maybe you've only played it at a friend's house, or you've just seen commercials for it, or you've seen commercials for the TV show, anything like that, you're going to be familiar with the self-elf character somewhat, and that's why I think she's pretty likely. And if we look at it as a reposes were done based on popularity of the character, especially in the case of multiple reposes like Stealth Elf, Stealth Elf had one of the highest numbers of reposes out there, so she is one of the most popular characters out there based on that logic. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I think, unlike maybe some of the other ones that have high repose counts, not naming any specifically yet, but Stealth Elf is one of those that I feel actually was fairly deserving of the amount of reposes. Granted, yes, it did get a little bit to the extreme later on, but, you know, it makes sense because Stealth Elf's a fun character, she has a fun personality, she looks really cool, and it just totally kind of makes sense that they would want to choose Stealth Elf, not only because of the number of reposes they gave her, but also because the reposes there definitely correlate to popularity. And speaking on characters with an extreme number of reposes, I think the character that would most likely be chosen would be Gilgrunt. Gilgrunt did get one more repose than Stealth Elf did, because Trap Team, and it just feels like Gilgrunt got a squillion reposes overall anyway. Appearing first in Spyro's Adventure and getting reposes and variants all the way through to Superchargers. As Inklander has stated in the previous episode, I'm surprised he didn't get reposed for Imaginators as well. And I, I, feel, I, I feel that the number of reposes alone would be enough to make Gilgrunt a candidate for Smash. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, who at Activision liked Gilgrunt that much? Where they're like, yes, let's take this character with a pretty mediocre to bad moveset 
and just keep remaking them over and over again. Because with Stealth Elf, it makes sense. Like, she had tons of variants, she had tons of reposes, and that definitely correlates because everyone really likes Stealth Elf for the most part. Meanwhile, with Gilgrunt, people do like Gilgrunt. You know, he's part of the original trio. He got him in the starter pack with SSA. But it's just, it's weird that, like, he got so many reposes. It is really, like, one of those things where you look at superchargers and it's like, yeah, he has a completely new moveset and he's better in superchargers. But it's just like, why did they feel that they needed to remake him for a fifth time? <laughs> it's just so, it's so weird. And... You know, Stealth Elf makes sense, but Gilgrunt, that one was just weird. So if we're going by Activision's strange logic of just continuing to put Gilgrunt in everything, whether people like it or not, yeah, Gilgrunt would be a very good candidate for Smash. I also feel as though Gilgrunt's moveset, both his initial moveset and his Supercharger's moveset, would translate really easily and really well into Smash. I mean, obviously his up B would be his, his water backpack. Yeah. I mean, that, that one's pretty obvious. That'd be a great recovery move. And another thing that they could really do uh, if they wanted to have, like, a Zelda Sheik situation is they could have the down B allow you to switch between the supercharger version of Gilgrunt and the regular original version of Gilgrunt. So then you have a couple different move sets that you can work with when uh, it comes to all the specials and when it comes to the even the primary attack as well. So they could actually do a lot of different things where maybe in one form, whenever you switch over to, like, deep dive Gilgrunt, you're able to have the primary be jabbing people with the trident there, or the side bees could be swinging the trident around in one direction or the other. There's just tons of different things that you could do, and then, you know, you can give them back as harpoon if you do the down B again, and have the harpoon shoot out. Maybe as the primary, or maybe you could, like, hit people with the harpoon as the primary, and then actually shoot the harpoon as the side B. And if we go with the idea of him being able to transition between the original Gilgrunt and Deep Dive Gilgrunt, they could add for that down B transition technique, they could also add an area of effect attack that's, that spouts off with it being electricity or a water splash, depending on which form he's in. Yeah, that's definitely true. So they could do a lot of different things with Gilgrunt, and I feel like if they did incorporate Gilgrunt, they would kind of have to incorporate some of his WoW Pal stuff, and they would kind of have to incorporate some of his Supercharger stuff, because original Gilgrunt is just kind of boring. And I feel like either of the characters we've mentioned so far could also have an alternate skin being their Eon's Elite Metallic skin. Yeah, there you go. That'd be really, really cool. And with Stealth Elf, you could also give her, like, the Ninja Stealth Elf kind of alternate costume. For some of the less likely characters, first I would like to mention another character with a high number of reposes that could potentially make the cut would be Eruptor. But I don't feel like Eruptor translates it nearly as easily to the Smash formula as Gilgrunt or Stealth Elf do. Yeah, it would be interesting to see Eruptor. It's definitely possible. I don't think... That would necessarily be one of their top, top choices. But again, he is fairly popular. He is well-known due to Skylanders Academy being featured in a lot of trailers. You know, he he's, he's a pretty well-recognized character. But the thing is, is his main attack is lobbing fireballs. And it doesn't work well in Skylanders, and it doesn't work well in Smash either. They would have to change it to, like, direct-ahead fire shots or something in order to make it work in Smash. Yeah, kind of like the way that it is in Skylanders Academy, because in Skylanders Academy, Eruptor does not lob, he just shoots things. I believe they went that direction because they realized that it didn't even work in the Skylanders games, being a lobber. 
Yeah. And, you know, he does have some pretty cool things. Like, maybe his down B could be the volcano thing. There, there's definitely some cool things. Like, the side B could maybe be the lava ball rolling about. Like, they, they could definitely do some interesting kind of things with it. Now, of course, there is Lava Lance Eruptor, who is, again, very much improved on the regular design of Eruptor. Oh, no, maybe maybe they could kind of pull, like, a Gilgrunt Zelda chic idea as well, where it's like you just switch between the two. Or maybe just have the Lava Lance instead just incorporated right into his moveset. So maybe instead of having the Lava Ball, the side B is just him charging ahead with his Lance. And maybe they could even incorporate the Burn Cycle in some way? Oh yeah, there you go. I mean, Wario already kind of has uh, his motorcycle in the game, so adding in the burn cycle would actually be a pretty great idea. Like, they could ev they could have that be the side B, but they'd have to switch that up somehow to make it a little bit different from Wario, but it would help with Eruptor even more. Switching it up a little bit to where it's not just him lobbing fireballs, because that, that just would not work in Smash. <laughs> but then again, I do feel like that's how most Smash fans would view any Skylander making it into the game anyway. Oh yeah, I feel like uh, it'd just be like, really? Like a Skylander? I mean, you saw how the fans reacted to Hiro, who was an immensely popular character in Japan. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think uh, I think the main reason why people got mad about Hiro was the RNG. And speaking of RNG in Smash characters, that brings me to a less likely, a far less likely character to be able to appear in Smash, and that's Chaos himself. Ooh. Okay. Uh, just just imagining, like, Richard Horvitz voicing a character in Smash. That'd, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Now, I don't know what Chaos's moveset would look like, as I don't play Smash myself. I haven't really thought through which moveset, the Trap Team moveset or the Imaginator's moveset, they would go with for the implementation of Chaos. But I feel like Chaos has always been a very RNG Skylander. And he is one of the most iconic characters in the game. So I do feel as though he would have a fair shot at making it, although far less likely than Stealth Elf or Gilgrunt. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Obviously, there's no way that Sakurai would design the character without Doom Sharks. I was about to say, they would have to have Doom Sharks. They have to have Doom Sharks in some way, shape, or form. Like, that is pretty much, like, the iconic move of the character, no matter what they decided to go with. So he would have to do that. And I don't know exactly what direction they would want to go with that. Like, that's that's a really hard question as to what that'd be. Like, I could see that be the down B, or, or maybe the down smash. Actually, down smash would be kind of cool for that, because then he could send out, like, waves of Doom Sharks from both directions. Because having that be the down B that... I don't know. Like, there's so much that they could do with Chaos that it is kind of that thing where it's like they would really have to pack in a lot to make sure that like every different smash attack felt different and they gave them something else that there is a question of like would they add an rng because of course in trap team you're able to set what element he's using but also at the same time if you choose to not do that he just randomly does an elemental power at random and i feel like that would be a good side attack for him would be his ultimate doom attack where he casts a random element spell forward in the direction that you attack and that would be really cool. Smash fans would definitely get mad at that. <laughs> They'd be like, great, we got Hero, and now we have this. Because at least with Hero, you know, you have that menu pop up to where you get a choice, but then with Chaos, it's just like, random element spell go. I mean, they'd probably have to change them up a little bit to be able to get it to work in Smash, but, like, some of those element 
powers and trap team are like kind of useless so yeah yeah like it's it's definitely one of those things where they'd probably have to switch up some of them to make people not feel as gypped with the rng honestly if chaos were to make it into smash i I would actually buy smash ultimate like that'd be a lot of fun the thing is is i don't think it would be as recognizable to people that aren't Skylanders fans because I feel like they typically they know that Spyro's in it they are aware of like Stealth Elf but I don't really think that there's that that much focus on media outside of the games themselves and outside of the TV show that focuses on chaos no absolutely not yeah they might just be like who is this which makes it far less likely that chaos would ever appear in any such thing but you know, as fans of the franchise, I think Chaos would be a fan favorite. Yeah, know what? Maybe they have the smash attacks be the random element things, but then maybe they have the side B be the battle class, because then they'd be able to incorporate both of those into the moveset. And then, I don't know, I don't know what the up B would be. Maybe, like, Chaos could, like, ride the Hydra. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> or maybe the up smash is where, like... He his portal appears, he springs off of it and slams the portal downwards. Oh yeah. So that'd be kinda neat. Or, you know, maybe the up B is that he summons the portal underneath him and he teleports up further or something. That that'd be kinda fun. Actually, like the the more we talk about it, the more I'm like kinda sold on Chaos, but also at the same time, I really don't think he's that likely. Like I don't think Activision would immediately go, Oh yes, chaos. <laughs> Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, so we've definitely covered a lot of characters, but, you know, all these are from uh, Spyro's Adventure, and I think that definitely makes the most sense because those characters have been around the longest. People are the most familiar with those characters. And while I definitely think it's important to mention characters like Pop Fizz or Tree Rex or some of the other starter pack characters that are, like, featured on the box art, they definitely would be really cool to see. And, you know, Tree Rex would definitely have, I think, a really fun moveset. Pop Fizz, especially with the different potions, there's so much stuff they could do there but further like they're not nearly as likely as some of the main original skylanders and i think that's just because you know the original spires adventure skylanders have been around for so long and people are the most familiar with them and they've been used the most in marketing and things like that and it just would make the most sense for activision to pick one of the spires adventure characters as the representative absolutely but what if they were to do something in a way that more than one character could make it? Let's shift the discussion now more towards multiple characters for a single slot. This would be interesting because they've done this before, and we kind of already talked about that a little bit when talking about like Eruptor and talking about Gilgrunt, where you're able to use the uh, down B to be able to switch forms to the character. And the only way that that's survived in Smash currently is with Pokemon Trainer. Pokemon Trainer's in the background and is able to summon forth the actual different fighters that are fighting with it being Squirtle, Ivysaur, and Charizard. And you're able to have a full moveset of all three of those characters except their down B switches between all of them. So I think that it actually would be really, really cool to see them kind of implement something very similar with Skylanders, where you pretty much have a Pokemon trainer setup, but maybe it's Master Eon in the background, and he's summoning forth the Skylanders, or maybe it's Portal Master Avatars from Ring of Heroes. I don't really particularly like that idea. I definitely think the Master Eon in the background summoning forth Skylanders works a whole lot better, but, you know, I think that would be kind of really cool to see them try to implement 
multiple characters into into Smash in that way from the Skylanders universe. Well, you pretty much just stated my idea verbatim, except with the possibility of having the Portal Master be Chaos. Or maybe, maybe the Portal Master could be all four of them, just different character skins, and the Skylanders themselves would have a different skin depending on who their Portal Master is, be it Master Eon or Chaos or one of the two Ring of Heroes Portal Masters. That definitely works. And I feel like the switching, unlike with Pokemon Trainer, where it's only Squirtle, Ivysaur, and Charizard, I feel as though the switching should be eight Skylanders, and they should be eight original Eons Elites. I would definitely agree with that, and that's exactly kind of the idea I had, except with one change. We're presuming that Spyro is already in the game as his own separate character with his own Skylander skin. So I would say swapping out the magic Skylander, in this case, with Pop Fizz instead of Spyro. I wouldn't necessarily jump to Pop Fizz because he was a Giants character. I would say Double Trouble. That'd be cool. I definitely can see Double Trouble, but between the two, the one that's way more recognizable, the one that's on the TV show, it's it's Pop Fizz. And while, you know, we definitely did say that, like, most likely a character from one of the other games wouldn't make it into the lineup, I think if they are fully going with eight different playable Skylanders, it, it, I think in that case, they might as well go the extra mile and put Pop Fizz in there. I feel like you're right in that it does make more sense. It's not the move I would make, but it does definitely make more sense. I think what what they'd probably want to do is probably have the down B activate the switch, but instead of cycling through, which would take forever, kind of pull more of like a shulk kind of thing where uh, you're switching between the different Monado powers, kind of pull up like an on-screen wheel like that where you're able to switch between all the characters. And then the switching animation, a portal would appear or something underneath them and it'd switch out the character. They could definitely find some sort of way to like work with that and kind of make it feel like a really unique mechanic. Because a lot of the Smash DLC fighters right now are trying to incorporate some sort of cool, unique mechanic. Min Min from ARMS is able to switch out her arm type. And, you know, we just had Minecraft Steve introduced where, you know, he's able to actually craft things and actually able to build blocks on the stage. All of them are trying to introduce different new mechanics. And I think one really cool thing that would be interesting that they could introduce other than just like the switching between eight different characters is they could introduce elemental alignment. And I think that'd be really neat. So they could give each stage like an elemental boost. So whenever you start up the stage and, you know, you have all the characters popping in, however they do, the Skylander would obviously load in on a portal. Then kind of around then we have... Master Eon say Skylanders of whatever element are stronger in this zone. And in that stage, if you're playing as, you know, like, say say it's like a water-themed stage, if you're playing as Gilgrunt, maybe all your attacks do just five points more of damage or something. Not much, you know, they need to keep it balanced. But just like a little bit more, because then that's going to encourage you to play with multiple different characters across multiple different stages. And then they can even go further and have each individual Smash Fighter have a particular elemental alignment. Like they could give Mario like a fire element alignment. So you're going to want to play as a water character against Mario. Switch over to Gilgrunt there. 
Like, they could have actually, like, so much different minute things. And the damage boost could be, you know, minimal. It could just be five points for the stage, five points for whatever character you're going up against. But that's going to have you constantly switching out and having to try to learn all these different Skylanders to be able to get, like, a little bit more of a damage boost. And I think that'd be really, a really cool mechanic that they could try to introduce. And for the movesets for the characters themselves... I feel like they would probably go with as direct a translation as they possibly could from their Skylanders movesets, but with some tweaks in the cases of characters who are lobbers. I, I feel as though that's just the, uh, the best way to have them represented in Smash, and that's why I think that the Portal Master would be the most likely character to make it into Smash for Skylanders representation, because they could manage to represent the entire series and the entire elemental system all in one character this way, similarly to how they did the Pokemon Master. And with the different costumes, they could encompass both Master Eon, Chaos, and include Ring of Heroes representation at the same time. And, you know, the cool thing with the costume changes is, of course, with Pokemon Trainer, they have color variations of Ivysaur, Charizard, and Squirtle. And it'd be really cool to see exactly what they could do having the color swaps for, you know, characters like Whirlwind. You know, because then we could get Polar Whirlwind, we could get Hornblast Whirlwind. I feel like in that case with the costumes, what they would most likely go with is if you're choosing the Master Eon costume, all of the Skylanders would be the Eon's Elite skin. If you're with Chaos, they'd be more of a Dark Chaos-style skin, like we saw in Spyro's Adventure in the boss fights. And with the Ring of Heroes Portal Masters, they could go with the standard Skylander skin, they could go with Dark, they could go with Legendary, they could go with the reposed, sort of, like you said, the Hornblast Whirlwind, or, like, Double Dare Trigger Happy. They could go with a... A variation. Now we've discussed the immense amount of variations that lie within the Skylanders characters, and yes there are a lot of variations just as there are a ton of different Skylanders out there. So now I think it's time we go find a bargain on some of them. Let's move on to the legendary treasure hunt. It's time for another legendary treasure hunt. This is a segment where we're trying to find the best bargain deals on lots of Skylanders. And today's challenge was to find a lot of life element Skylanders with a price limit of $40. And as per usual, the rules are one point for every life Skylander that's in the lot, and then half a point for every $5 under the max limit. And, of course, there is also the possibility of one bonus point that can be awarded to the most impressive lot. So, Ditto, let's go ahead and start off with you. Okay. Well, I found my lot this week in Glander at OfferUp. It is a lot of eight Skylanders. Four of them are Life Element. We have two Zook, one Stealth Elf, one Stump Smash. And as an added bonus, it also includes Terrafin, Flameslinger, Spyro, and Drobot. And this lot 
is listed at the low, low price of $5. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Eight Skylanders for five bucks. Yeah, it, and it has a pretty good collection of characters. I mean, granted, you do have two Zooks there, but yet again, you know, that's just an option for having them both on different upgrade paths. So, you know, definitely good. It, it's a pretty decent lot, especially for five dollars. And considering our, like, price limit was 40, it's pretty good. So... Obviously there you have four different wife Skylanders, so that brings your initial total up to four. You are way under the price limit by $35, so that gives you three and a half points for that because you are getting half a point for every $5 under. So three and a half plus four is seven and a half points total. Then moving on to my lot, mine came from eBay as per usual, and my lot is also $5, and it includes Stump Smash, Food Fight, Sure Shot Shroom Boom, Ninja Stealth Elf, and the original Giant Shroom Boom. So, you know, this is a pretty great lot other than for the Shroom Booms, and it's five Life Skylanders for five bucks, each one's a dollar. I would say we should probably dock you a half point for each Shroom Boom, though. Yeah, so no, I, I think we're going to make that an official rule. For every Shroom Boom in a lot, it is minus half a point because it's Shroom Boom, and that's just... What what a waste of a character in a lot, have to say. Absolutely. Next episode, we're instating that rule, so <laughs> beware of the shroom booms and the lots. But with this lot, though, that still gives me a total of five points, and then I am also $35 under the limit, so that gives me three and a half points, and so that gives me eight and a half points. And so we also tend to have a bonus point, but both of our offers here are actually pretty similar. Granted, Ditto's does have three more Skylanders than me, but, you know, they're, they're pretty much close to being the same deal here. So yeah, I think here we're probably going to give it to me as a winner, because, you know, otherwise we'd pretty much just tie anyway. So I win barely by a point with eight and a half points this week. Good game. Yeah. This is always fun. I feel a chill in the air. The breeze has picked up, and it's because the Dread Yacht has flown right over us and is coming in for a landing. It seems like Flynn is kind of waving us over pretty quickly, and it looks like it's time to hop aboard the Dread Yacht and head off to another destination. we find ourselves aboard the dread yacht there's a chill in the air a bit more so than than there normally would be but flynn holds her steady as always is he frozen solid that can't be right and then over there in the corner sharp finn is shivering and complaining about how we always go help people why is it so cold though oh hang on that's the Frostfest mountains below us so today's destination, we are touring the Frostfest Mountains from Skylander Swap Force. So Frostfest Mountains is a decent level, I think. You know, it definitely has its issues and like it's a decent level. And I mean, I think one of the main things that kind of drags Swap Force down a little bit when it comes to level design is that they just have so many levels with a very similar theme. Like, they have all the different kind of desert levels and canyon levels and things like that, and then they have all the winter levels. It kind of does get dragged down because of that. But overall, 
I don't think this is necessarily a bad level. I definitely think, you know, when you compare it to something like Iron Jaw Gulch, it's definitely a little bit better than just kind of like mediocre. Like, I think it's a solid level and I think it has some pretty solid level design, but it does kind of fall into some of the problems that Swap Force has, like kind of the repeat of themes and having the level just be like a little bit too long. Frost Ice Mountains is the third and final winter-themed stage in Swap Force. It also happens to be my favorite of the winter-themed stages, and that's primarily because of the mini-games that plague the winter-themed stages in this game. The Boney Islands had the inferior version of the turret mini-game, which you had to partake in twice throughout the stage. Winter Keep had the Angry Birds-esque flinging the snowman at the ice ballers, which is just a pain, and really I don't think needed to be there. But the Frostfest Mountains just had an abundance of sparklocks. And while they are annoying, they're not as annoying as some of the other minigames you get saddled with. Outside of the sparklocks that generally tend to slow you down, and the fact that the little ice platforms don't already expand all the way down the river when you arrive. Outside of those, this level's pretty quick, pretty straightforward, only has a couple of battle gates, and it's just a real fun thing to zip through. This is also where we first see signs of Mesmeralda's influence. We see her spinning dancers and the remote puppet hands that start them spinning. We're also introduced to one of the more fun creatures of Skylands, the Chili Dogs, and this whole level is pretty much just a mad dash to get all the beacons lit and avoid getting yourself blown up by mines. And what it does is it, it accomplishes being enjoyable as the last leg of what is normally a very tedious section of the game. I mean, you know, I definitely agree. Like, I think for the most part, this level is a little bit more laid back. And, you know, some of the lock puzzles, I guess, can be kind of frustrating because, you know, they do keep popping up. But they're not that bad. And when it comes to, like, the other minigame kind of parts of this level, like bobbing for apples and the uh, shell game and everything like that, those are, the, like, those are fine. Those are fun. And most importantly, they're optional. Yeah, and they're optional, and I definitely agree that I would way have preferred those in the previous winter-themed levels or snow-themed levels compared to the shooting sections in Boney Islands and the snowman shooting minigame kind of thing in Winter Keep is also kind of just... It's not fun. It's really not fun. I mean, I would have to say that between the three, I probably like Winter Keep the most. You know, I think that one's kind of fun, and I, I like that one. I like the setting. I like the music of that. I just, I think it's a really nice looking level, aside from pretty much the uh, the snowman minigame in there. But the, the main thing that I have with it is it kind of falls into the it just is a little too long kind of category for me. Like, if they cut out the middle section, because you have the first section where you're going through the area then you get to the first village you have some mini games there and then you go through the second section which is fairly samey and then you get to the next village and then you have like the final section that starts building up to mesmeralda and that part's a little bit more interesting i believe that's also the section that has kind of the ice hopping across the river areas and sections i think if they just cut out the middle section and gave us the beginning part and the end part I would have liked this level a lot more because, you know, it's a decently long level of you just kind of running through this, like, 
flurry of snow just kind of running and attacking enemies kind of over and over again and occasionally running into a village or a lock puzzle it just kind of felt a little a little samey throughout the whole thing but that being said it's not that bad like the ice hopping across the river is fun it definitely would be better if they had already like spawned all of the ice across the river as ditto said and you know the introduction of mesmeralda stuff is definitely pretty cool so the, like there, there's definitely things i really do enjoy about it i think they have some pretty cool hidden locations for some of the items and i like how playing through all the mini games does give you some things like the treasure chest and whatnot so like they did have some fun ideas with this i just feel like they could have just slimmed it down a little bit and i would like to add there's really nothing to be said for the music here yeah yeah i i would agree i mean i think for part of the stage i don't remember what the second half of it has playing but at least leading up to the first village which also it's kind of cool to see like different forms of like slam band like we get to see like slam bands like people here that's that's kind of cool i do like that but i think the first track that plays through the first section is glacier gully's theme i believe so they just kind of drop that in from giant so it doesn't really give the stage anything kind of unique or cool to it one thing that i do like about winter keep is that it has a remix of the original spiros adventure soundtrack going on and i do like that i think that helps the music stand out a little bit more in winter keep but yeah here in process mountains it's just yeah it's just kind of okay now that we've had time to look around ensure all the beacons all remain lit and sip some hot cocoa with the yetis i think it's time we be off towards the archean arena So, we have been dropped off by Flynn in the Archean Arena, the place where we pit Skylander against Skylander in theoretical combat. So, Ditto, why don't you go ahead and start off with a description of your champion? Well, Inklander, I'm not going to beat around the bush, you know. I'm going to summon a Skylander that ripped off Doctor Who, and we're bringing in Drill Sergeant. Drill Sergeant, whose design was clearly ripped off from the Daleks, is a ranged tech Skylander with a maximum HP of 870, critical hit 56, armor 33, speed 38, luck 22. His attack one is called Drill Rocket, which fires Drill Rockets ahead of him, dealing 47 points of damage. His attack two is Bulldoze Charge, which is kind of a charging ahead style attack that does 17 points of damage on contact. And his attack three is Auto Blaster, which fires a laser ahead of him to exterminate his foe for four points of damage. For his upgrade paths, the top path is called Drill Rocket, which allows attack one to gain increased damage, larger explosions, and has three drills spreading per shot. And the bottom path is known as Mega Dozer, which allows for attack two to gain increased speed and pass through some attacks, and increases the fire rate of the autoblaster. 
Yeah, I mean, Drill Sergeant is definitely a fun character. You know, he was definitely worthy of getting a Series 2, at least, I think. To go up against Drill Sergeant, I am bringing one of the Skylanders we've talked about previously in this episode. I have decided to bring a regular Spyro's Adventure, Gilgrunt. Oh, good! <laughs> Gilgrunt is a water element range Skylander that has a health of 810, critical hit of 60, armor 29, speed of 32 and luck of 26. His primary attack is Harpoon Gun, which deals 52 damage and charge does 104. His attack 2 is Power Hose, which does 27 damage, and then his attack 3 Water Jetpack does 0. So his top path, Harpooner, allows him to fire 3 Harpoons, which deals increased damage and also can pierce through enemies and keep going and potentially attack other enemies. And then his bottom path is Water Weaver, which allows for infinite water, definitely nice. And his attack 2 gains increased damage. Using attack 1 while having attack 2 active launches explosives, which is also pretty cool. Each of his attacks, except his attack 3, does do more damage than Drill Sergeant's. And he has a higher critical hit. Yes. The other stat he is higher in is luck, and that does factor in. But based on the numbers alone, I would say these two are actually fairly evenly matched. I would say so, yeah. Granted, Grunt's health is 70 points lower than Drill Sergeant's, but I do think that uh, Gilgrunt might have a slight lead just because his attack 2 and attack 1 have a little bit more damage. And I think maybe depending on Gilgrunt's path, you could definitely uh, get a little bit more. But yeah, I do think that these are fairly evenly matched here. Now, I would like to state that the numbers here also don't account for the fact that Drill Sergeant does have a Soul Gem ability that increases his armor and makes him harder to hit. I believe the Archean Armor Soul Gem ability definitely would even the playing field a little bit. While Gilgrunt does deal more damage and does have a higher critical hit, he does have lower health as well, and I feel as though that would still tip the scale just barely in Gilgrunt's favor, whereas that little bit of an armor boost making it so occasionally an attack doesn't hit definitely would bring Drill Sergeant back to an absolutely even playing field from there. It's basically just increasing his luck when it's not really increasing his luck. Yes. I feel as though this matchup would come down specifically to playstyle, and how well can you dodge a ranged attack. Yes, that's definitely true. But I do remember that his primary attack does take a little bit while to recharge. Like, it's not too, too long, but I feel like Gilgrunt's maybe able to recharge his harpoon gun a little bit faster. So, you know, that could also maybe factor into it a little bit, but I think primarily it's going to be playstyle. Exactly, and that, that's how I would play this. As Drill Sergeant, I would actually not rely too heavily on my charge attack as an offense. I would use that to try and dodge out of the way of harpoons and then turn and immediately start firing more drills. I would use my dash as more evasive maneuvers. You would probably run Gilgrunt in a similar style. So it literally just comes down to who is better at dodging attacks. These two, well, I could come up with a whole strategy like we normally do and basically play out how I would win this. I don't think that's the case. I think based on playstyle, it would come down to a 50-50 split. Yeah, that definitely is possible. You're just kind of a cat and mouse there where you're trying to dodge each other <laughs> hoping that one of you ends up winning yeah so i think here it's 
quite possibly that we have another tie between Gilgrunt and Drill Sergeant. So please let us know in the comments who you think would win this matchup and how you would try to play this match. That brings us to the end of today's episode. You'll find our website and our individual channels listed in the description. Follow our Twitter at SLPortalCasters for regular Skylanders discussion and Imaginator design challenges. Thank you for listening. And in the next episode, we're going to be discussing paywalls and the effects of capitalism within the Skylander series. See you then. Bye. Bye. your math is improved uh, no it's because while you were talking i was doing it in my head <laughs> <laughs>